No, the responsible exactly, thing yeah. would be for the GSMA to cancel the show. You think? Are you catching that, GSMA? Probably, because if, if it does, you know, if there's all this, what companies are obviously really worried about it, and they want to, they, you know, they feel they should go and have some kind of presence, even if it's reduced. But hello, and welcome to another Telecoms.com podcast. Uh, Jamie's off going to Wales to watch the rugby and doubtless get himself into all sorts of hijinks. Mm. Um, so we've got Ian in and Super Sub Way. All right, Way, how's it going? Hi. Yeah. So um, this is, I promise, a coincidence, what with Way being Chinese, but we're going to talk about coronavirus because it's got relevance to the telecoms industry for a variety of reasons, but uppermost is probably mobile, impending Mobile World Congress. And what effect is it going to have on that? Um, then I think we will talk a little bit, which again has a, has a Chinese element, again a complete coincidence, where he's going to be like, look, you're taking a piss now, Scott. Yeah. Um, Got used to it. Yeah, well, there is that. I've desensitized you over yeah. these years. Um, <coughs> we can talk about Americans decided, I know what, we'll just make our own telecoms industry and then we won't have to be reliant on shifty foreigners. Um, and we'll talk about the, the likelihood of them pulling that off. And then we're going to finish off talking a little bit about Vodafone, who had their quarterlies, and they've got a few other interesting things going on at the moment. So, um, so yeah, coronavirus. Wei, you're Chinese. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. This, this bit oh, is that scripted. Yeah. That, yeah, that was a scripted cough. Yeah, exactly. I get it. Yeah. Actually, do you know what? Joking aside, um, like on Twitter and stuff, I've got people going... That like when a Chinese person sits next to them on the tube. Yeah, I, I saw that this morning. Yeah, because um, uh, on, on a very crowded tube train, and yeah. everyone was rather stand. Uh, no one knows uh, what to do. That's yeah, the thing. Then, 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 then sitting next to a Chinese girl, something like yeah. that. Yeah, really. Ha- hasn't happened to me yet. No, uh, but yeah, <laughs> you got to work on that cough. Um, it's Did really, you put, a, really put your yeah, back into probably because on. I'm not really wearing a mask. Mm. If I am, well, you never know. Well, th- do you know that's not ironic thing because I expect to see a lot of those face masks at Mobile Congress. I mean, they have been for a while ever since I think like SARS years mm. ago. Mm. The it's not uncommon to see what I presume are Chinese people or certain people from that part um, of the world. Yeah, in um, Eastern Asian, I think yeah. it's, qu- it's quite common for people to wear masks, especially in places like Japan. Okay. And, if you know it, the point is not really to protect yourself from being contaminated. Mm. It's rather, it, it's, in a way, it's, it's mm. almost altruistic right. because you're wearing it, so you're, uh, you will not spread the yeah, virus. Yeah, that's if, true. If I never thought of that. Way. If you were yeah. actually carrying virus. Because the vibe it gives over is, is of a sort of, hor- I'm going to protect myself from the horrid, filthy, unclean I world. I think we should all go around in those yeah. biological outfits. In yeah, yeah. yeah. So are, really you, cool. are you saying that yeah. the hot thing in Mobile Congress will be wearables? We did that last week, didn't we? Yeah. C- oh, connected Stop laboring that joke. Yeah. <laughs> connected masks. It's um, a Pierre one yeah. joke. Um, well, I, I think on, on one hand, um, you you have to be worried about it. Yeah. Um, Are you worried? You're going to Mobile uh, Congress? No, I'll, I'll come to that. Okay, yeah, I'll come on. to that later. And, um, the short answer is no. Right. But um, I think we, we discussed that before the show. Uh, came on is um, the mortality rate is actually pretty high so 2% is lower than SARS is much lower than well earlier flus we we knew that well 100 years ago Uh, but it's much higher than flu because people 
nowadays you see often people comparing today. Yeah. yeah, comparing the 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 number of people died out of the coronavirus versus died of common flu, and that's actually a wrong comparison. Uh, the yeah. absolute number of people died out of common flu is higher, but the the mortality rate is much lower. It's just not one yeah. percent mortality rate but to compare with two percent for a coronavirus. But it is still. To some extent, and I haven't looked into the microbiology mm. of it, but it's a respiratory tract yes. um, illness that is conveyed, that's passed on in the, in the standard respiratory tract way, like uh, sort of droplets in the air. Yes. I think um, if you die, you die of pneumonia. It's easier right. to catch. Yeah. Then, then, the then you then you, you catch it, then you you sort okay, of so it, it, really it develops into pneumonia. pneumonia yeah. 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 Yeah, the, the, so on one hand, yes, but on the other hand, I mean, there are plenty of measures being taken by both the Chinese governments and, and other, other countries in the world. I mean, you just think about it, the, the province that, which is the epicenter yeah. of the whole thing. There are 60 million people being locked down, so that's yeah. the same size as the UK. I know, so I listened to a podcast that said that Shanghai, which is one of the biggest cities in the entire world, yeah. is just dead. Um, yeah, well, people like the, driving yeah, around and yeah, stuff. Yeah, the, the, especially if you compare. By the way, I mean dead with, metaphorically. Yeah, yeah, better, better <laughs> not, not metaphorically. Yes, you know what I mean. And, and now it's it's because it's just the Chinese New Year period, and normally it will be okay. the busiest oh, period right, yeah, yeah. of the year. It's kind and of now, screwed up now, the year. Yeah, isn't the it? streets are so quiet, and didn't people, they extend the Chinese New Year holiday? To uh, a few provinces. Do extend the, the the break? Yeah, I think um, a few provinces they will only resume activities on the tenth of February. Right. So mm. that will be that, like that will be a days. very, I think, one week longer. Oh, right, that will yeah. be much longer than, than normal. So that will have um, um, inevitably a lot of impact on retail, in particular, on entertainment industries um, and stuff like that. Um, so that comes to to I mean manufacturing mm. apparently so that comes to its impact on, on telecom so that uh, the, the the province where where the where the, the, the thing started it has quite a few big manufacturers right including I just read this morning the world's biggest copper wire manufacturer okay so that will have some direct impact on on telecom and it will have some indirect well, I wouldn't say indirect, but it's, it's a pretty direct, actually. As, as we, we are going to Mobile Congress, and there are some companies that probably would be more hesitant, yeah. I, either not to go at all or to reduce the right, people so we, coming out Jamie of China. Jamie wrote a story on this week that LG's completely pulled out. Yeah. Um, and ZT has come up with this thing where they go, well, go. Mm-hmm. But the only people who let go are people who've sort of self-quarantined in China for two weeks yeah. and not dropped down dead. Yeah. And then gone over to Europe and self quarantine for another two weeks for, and not drop down there. Yeah, yeah. And so you've got to have a full month. Yeah. You had to start doing this already, then basically. You have to, wouldn't so, you? Yeah. Yeah. Really so, so they've, they've announced this, but this would have had to have been implemented a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Their, their senior staff will. Yeah, I believe yeah. their senior staff should already be in Europe yeah. uh, because they are they are required to self quarantine for two weeks in mm. Europe. Then the staff coming out of China will, will be. 
uh, I think they say to make sure that they don't have any symptoms um, the pre- the two weeks previous to the trip to yeah. mm. to Barcelona. Then their stand staff will mainly be the staff members from Europe. Their, yeah, yeah. Their, their employees out, outside of China. Or just yeah, yeah. pure outsourced Spanish people or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I just uh, don't believe that they saw the first glimpse of it and they were like, Oh my God! Let's yeah, I don't either. Oh, like the next day, they were like, you know what? This is going to become. And huge. I don't believe it's enforceable anyway. Right yeah, mm. how can you? You can't enforce really someone self isolating themselves. You can't monitor that. They can't monitor people yeah. self isolating no, themselves. Like, did they not even but, but, ring for a pizza? They can, they can say, did you self isolate yourself? Yeah, but at the same yeah. time, people do. I mean, if, if you read from the Chinese media, people do worry about it and they do yeah. lock themselves down in their Well, I, I'm sure people are going to take precautions because yeah. they're worried about it. But, I, I, you know, they're not going to shut themselves into solitary confinement for two weeks. Um, no. Was well, the T seem yeah. genuinely concerned that its own people were going to like have a hard time because of it? Yeah. And they, and they genuinely, it sounded like they didn't want to alarm no, exactly. Um, people yeah. at, at my World Congress. So this is the weird thing. It's a sort of it's sort of double edged um, because you know you've got everyone else going to my World Congress. All, all four of us are going, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I'll make sure my will's up to date before I go. <laughs> I don't know too much. Okay. Um, and uh, and so there's some concern there. You know, I, I'm personally inclined to be like, well, you know. Um, it's just a, a risk factor. There are risk mm. factors all the time. You get on the plane, there's a risk factor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't feel too anxious about it. Um, but then, then there's from the Chinese side. They don't want to. They don't want to be sort of held stigmatized or held culpable no, exactly. for, for yeah. spreading this. This uh, make turning it into a pandemic. Yeah. And all that sort of thing. So it's kind of weird. No one really knows how to act. And that's why I brought up those little mm. anecdotal things of like public transport. Yeah. It's just people don't know how to act. Mm. No, the responsible exactly, thing yeah. would be for the GSMA mm. to cancel the show. You think? So are you catching that, GSMA? Probably, because if, if it does, you know, if there's all this, what companies are obviously really worried about it and they want to, they, you know, they feel they should go and have some kind of presence, even if it's reduced. But, um, but you say the responsible thing to do. I don't know to what extent you're saying that to be just provocative for the hell of it, mm. uh, or because you just don't fancy going. Well, um, but, uh, the, you know, you get to this thing, and, and actually, it, it, it's analogous to the, the sort of US, UK, Huawei stuff that we've discussed in the last few weeks. It, something called, I think, the precautionary principle, mm. whereby, you know, if there's some people saying, people who, who criticize the UK's decision to allow Huawei into the network to some extent, they were going, these were tended to be just regular pundits, not telecoms experts, tend to go, well, if there's any risk at all, yeah. why take it? But but if you you could extend that to all forms of all different could, forms of risk, and I, I so there agree. has to be a threshold. Yeah, there has to be a threshold. I mean, to say that no one should do any international travel, no one yeah. should leave their houses, people should self isolate themselves, all that stuff is ridiculous. That, that's not going to happen. Things have to. You know, if someone getting on a plane and flying to a business trip somewhere in the world is like a manageable risk. But you're talking about one of the world's biggest trade shows, which involves hu- huge numbers of people coming in from all over the world, and and a huge number from China. And at a time when this is on the up, two hundred fifty plus seems, exhibits. This is this is on the. If you look at the scale of manageable risks, to me, this is kind of fairly high up there. I see. This is yeah, the sort of thing enough. that's going to, you know, this could this could easily spread this infection into Catalonia, and then from there, mm. you know, it go it it com- becomes really bad. And then what will everyone say? They'll go, well, they should have done the sensible thing and 
cancel the show. Actually, the Spanish authority should do what the US has done and actually stop people. I mean, what will happen then, of course, if they impose travel restrictions is everybody will just fly to Frankfurt. So the US, just to, just to recap land. there, the um, US basically said all direct flights from Anybody China who's visited China in the last few weeks cannot come yeah. into the uh, They the already US. fly with, mostly yeah, with the exception Frankfurt. of uh, American citizens. Yeah. yeah. So any other... Right. Which was uh, criticised by, by China for yeah. sort of inciting fear well, and well, panic. And that's um, also yet another um, sort of uh, almost impossible situation. So countries will say, right, we're not allowing, allowing any Chinese people coming in from China, but we'll allow our lot. Yeah. Well, our lot might just be just as infected. Well, it's originated in China, hasn't it? And you know, I mean, our lot coming are. from China. So you've got Dave, right, yeah, yeah. who oh, yeah, teaches English as a foreign yeah. language no, in, I, yeah. they well, mostly, in Shanghai. They mostly go through Frankfurt anyway. So, yeah, well, that's the problem. Frankfurt. If, yeah. So stay, yeah. stay the f- away from that's, Frankfurt. That's the problem with uh, the Spanish authorities doing something is that it would just make people go through another route. So, so then, yeah. then, it, then it falls on the GSMA to actually do the responsible thing Fair and enough. say we're going to cancel it this year. But they don't want to do that because most of their revenue comes from the from yeah. this show. So they'd have to lay off loads of people if they did and that. I mean, you have to think also like it's not only Europeans that are going there. I mean, what, so how many Americans do you think at Moral Congress? Ten thousand, fifteen thousand? Maybe more than that. I don't You're really know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's generally overrun with them. I mean, it's 109,000 last year, and they're, I think they're expecting struggle. the same number. Duh, no way. Well, LG's pulled out, so that's going to... That's a, what? 500 A couple people. of thousand? 500? Yeah. I don't know, but... Yeah, yeah they're, um, they're, so I it's think, already I down think the, num- from that. the number from China will be much, much, be much smaller. Low. And the other thing that I think is the, the, the number of attendees. Um, mm. If you look at the, I put a graph together at attendee numbers mm. since 2006. It goes like that. And the last mm. three years, it goes like that. It's basically just plateaued. Just plateaued. Mm-hmm. plateaued. For, mean, the, for those listening on audio. You know, but <laughs> even the, the basic, yeah. uh, you know, attendees, like, I'm just going to go, uh, you know, pay a free or get a whatever pass and have a walk around World Congress. They won't do that. Like, I don't want to meddle with all these people. So you think just the general sort of pen collecting foot traffic yeah. um, will be no, down? Because you're talking about exhibitors not going, but what yeah. about people going just yeah. to but check I, out the show? These statements that, that ZTE and and, um, and the GSMA as well are putting out about, we're ta- you know, we're, people are going to self-isolate, there's going to be additional hygiene facilities, we're going to clean yeah, the we, stands, we we're going to do don't this. don't encourage don't people shake to shake hands. hands. I just yeah. don't, I think all of that's, but it's when you talk about inciting fear, that's just going to make people more yeah. scared. That will actually that's make right. more people stay yeah. away. Because yeah. people think if it's such a worry that we can't even shake hands when we go over there mm. yeah. and we have to be Christ, you know, have to be cleaning ourselves all the time. Go and like, no, people will like just go. This is not what you cannot talk to each yeah. other. You know, further. You'd have to stand ten feet apart. Yeah, exactly. Minimum so, ten feet apart. And, and sort of avert, sort of yeah, look just, to the side while yeah. you're talking. Yeah, it's it's all it's going to be weird, man. Yeah, it's going to be weird. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the proportion of people wearing face masks. I mean, what's the chances of this thing? You know, it's what two weeks away now. The show, three weeks. I mean, it's not going to. It's not going to resolve in that period of time, is it? And it's not going to come under control, probably. It's just going to be a bit worse than it is now, I suspect. So, yeah, well, the, uh, possibly yeah. a lot worse than it is now, apparently. Um, but uh, I was going to say, I mean, um, Mobile Congress aside, um, it will have some big but short term impact on other parts of the telecom industry, yeah. smartphone sales, for example, in China. It will go down. Well, Nokia know. today said there's an impact on, on its supply chains. Why don't most yeah, people order online anyway? Yeah. yeah. Sorry? Don't, I thought people mostly order their phone online anyway. Um, Can no. you trust the courier? Yeah, well, it's, there, there, the, are, the there phone are courier is services. There are still courier uh, services, but uh, I mean, Why do you think the, the smartphone industry would be affected? Are you talking about people going into shops? Yeah, people don't go to shops anymore. Yeah. I mean, in uh, retail in general. But on the other hand, the reason I'm saying it, it will be short-lived is there will be a pent-up demand. 
Yeah. I mean, that's what I lived through, what, now 17 years ago uh, during the SARS period. And there was a big drop. Were you in China? I was in China at that time. Um, Yeah, and then after summer, the the market just bounced back. Yeah. And the seasonality was completely distorted because because of the pent-up demand. Yeah. So Mm. there will be be impact short-term, but um, the impact anyway. What? Ian, you were, you were just you just mentioned Nokia. So mm. you uh, listened in on their analyst call. They just uh, we might as well make a nod to it. They had their quarterlies that were sort of all right. Mm. They were better than the last lot, that's for <coughs> sure. They're kind but of they, getting but, things under control. Yeah, the 5G but they didn't had, set yeah. the world on fire. But at least it wasn't a continued slide. No, um, it was a bit downbeat in terms of the outlook, but not yeah, as, they not were cautious, outlook, weren't they? Well, and it wasn't basically even saying out for Nokia, it was out for the addressable market. I remember a couple of years ago they were saying twenty twenty is going to be when everybody's spending you know huge. What did they say about the addressable market? Totally flat this year. That's funny because Deloro has said four percent yeah. increase. Well, this is Nokia's addressable market. You got to remember is not just ran, so right, right. But okay. the bits that are really growing in Nokia's addressable market are. The non-ran bits, anyway, the bits that are doing really well. Yeah, I, you know, well, they're famously out, having a bit of a market on the growth, perhaps. But yeah. but um, but they're they're saying flat, and they've highlighted loads of risk factors this year, of, of which coronavirus is one. Right. Uh, U.S. merger uncertainty in the U.S., which was also yeah. flagged by Ericsson. Ericsson, that was their and this whole use. India thing, because the operators there, yeah, know, where there's this regulatory push to get yeah. money off the operators because they apparently owe loads of money to the government. Yeah. Well, d- hold, um, hold that because we'll we'll bring that up when we talk about Vodafone. And, and therefore, the operators are going to the Nokia is sort of basically implying that that will c- cut demand. So there's basically all sorts so of adversarial all sorts stuff. Of adversarial and then there's the on. generic sort of stiff competition that for some reason I don't know why public companies bother to talk yeah. about competitive headwinds and. Sh- well, I just I mean, think it's just, been, a, it's just table I think there's been too much optimism I, I about for, 5G anyway. Right, well, yeah. yeah I, mean, I, I, I just think for, for, for Nokia and Ericsson, there is some... Uh, I forgot the Ericsson numbers, but I was reading the Nokia numbers this morning. Uh, the weakest market is in China, in Greater China. They're yeah. down by 20, 25%. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just happened. I don't know whether it's coincidence or it's just by design. Um, it's in the middle of the trade war. Yeah. So well, they, 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 there's always oh, that's always been a ceiling for how many they they hinted at. It's interesting yeah. because they hinted at profitability challenges in China, and they've they've been warning about China for for a while now yeah. that things might not work out as well there as they'd like with this sort of transition to five G. And there was a suggestion today they've lost a bit of market share in China. Yeah, because Ericsson's been... being extremely aggressive. I mean, most of the work obviously yeah. goes to Chinese companies, yeah. and then Ericsson exactly. is Ericsson yeah. is trying to position itself as if you do use another vendor, then yeah. um, then use us because we're really cost competitive now and we have a more profitable I mean their products are kind of don't have the sort of cost issues that Nokia's got right. so they can be a bit more aggressive on pricing so yeah. mm. I think they've lost a bit of a bit of um, bit of their footprint there but mm. this is way off track now isn't it mm. it's a massive segue. why are you making gestures yeah can we here? take a quick break one second sorry <laughs> <laughs> so the uh that yeah the, what they were saying about the supply chain issue on the on the call was that it could cause some disruption and they haven't really figured out you know how bad things could be at the moment. They made, made this big case that they have a global supply chain now. They've kind of got investments in factories in other parts of the world. But they got asked a couple of times, not by me, but by another journalist. Um, by a proper journalist. A proper one. Um, whether they their sort of facilities in China are <coughs> operational. And they didn't really answer the question. You know, so, yeah. and, and everyone, so people are going to think they're not, obviously. Mm. Well, and this, you know, this is a good point. This is a point that's relevant about coronavirus and also the the geopolitical stuff that we talk about is 
most of the world's manufacturing happens in China. Mm. Yeah. Um, you can't just cut off a country. I mean, I, I, you probably couldn't cut off any country, but certainly not China, the most populous, one of the biggest, and one of the most commercially interlinked countries in the whole world. Yeah. There have been uh, plenty of uh, comments that um, while people trying to draw lessons out of the uh, coronavirus crisis, that um, it, to highlight the importance of having a diversified supply chain uh, and the whole the whole setup, but it's just so so difficult. It, yeah. it took China what twenty years, twenty to thirty years to get where it is, and you you can't simply just replicate another yeah. or, or another few <coughs> sort of similar. Um, Sourcing markets like that in 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 one or two years. It's yeah, just so difficult. You give me a good segue there. The sort of um, diversification because mm. the US looks like it wants to go in the other direction. It wants to undiversify. Mm. Obviously, um, Trump's very um, protectionist, or at least he uses protectionist tactics to drive his famous hard bargains. Mm. Um, and you know, I think we all agree that to to what extent Huawei is a security threat has been, at the very least, uh, exploited to the maximum um, possible amount by the Americans in order to, I think, generate another bargaining chip at the great geopolitical table. <coughs> and um, and one of their latest initiatives that both Telecoms.com and Light Reading wrote about this week. Some bloke in the U.S. government, some advisor, spoke to the Wall Street Journal and said, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to uh, get, like, big U.S. tech companies. Sorry. <coughs> I had a bit of chocolate and it went down the mm. wrong way. That's so why we, we had to cut. That's why we had to cut so, so, that, so that Ian could give me the Heimlich maneuver. <laughs> or so he claims. Um, and, uh, yeah, and anyway, I'll tell you what. We'll get some U.S. tech companies like um, Microsoft and Dell um, who are big on servers and cloud, and we'll get them. We'll chuck them some money <coughs> and get them to raise their game on on this sort of new virtualized, um, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the virtualization software yeah. that we've yeah. been talking about for years in telecoms, and and they think that that I don't think they explicitly said it in the story, but the, the strong implication was that when you combine it with ORAN, yeah. Mm. I think they did talk about sort of commoditized radio hardware. So they're effectively talking about ORAN. Um, if we can do that, then we don't need to worry about vendors at all. Mm, the <coughs> problem with because it comes a few weeks after there was this um, uh, proposal by a bunch of US senators as well to spend to set up a fund, an ORAN fund, mm. uh, worth about a billion dollars. And the idea would be that they support kind of US software companies, I think, and, and O-RAN companies. So people like the likes of Altius Star, Mavenir, Parallel Wireless, which yeah. are all kind of working on these more open interfaces and the software that would run over the the um, the radio hardware. But the thing I find, one of the things I find interesting about all of this, this sort of look, you know, this viewing O-RAN as a way to kind of boost US competition and to get them sort of back into the market is that O-RAN doesn't exclude the Chinese no. or other parts of the world. And it's if, not, if anything, it would presumably make well, it a bit harder the, the, to so, so Mavenir put a presentation them. together to the FCC, <laughs> which um, Mike Dano at Light Reading originally reported on, and then I went yeah, and had Jamie a look at it. Yeah, Jamie did as well. And some of the points that Mavenir raised were that, you know, they've got the software companies, but they don't have any, radi they don't have any radio hardware 
guys in the um, in the US. They said they've got the design skills, but all those sort of white box radios that get made at the moment and the things that are likely to scale up, they're all they all come from Taiwan and yeah, China, China and South yeah. Korea. Mm. Those are the big markets. As for with those. so much tech yeah. hardware, and and there's a reason for that, which is economies of scale and cheap cost of labor, labor and, and all that. Yeah. You know, so. Is he, is I mean, with one billion with a one billion dollar fund that seems largely aimed at software anyway? I don't see that getting on top of this issue. You know, it's it's it's, it's this sort of bonkers Trump idea that he can sort of return jobs mm. to the U.S. and that we can and he's and he's been on a, Apple about this in the past, hasn't he? That you need to start making your components in in the U.S. rather than in China. Yeah, and they've and made, a so, they've made a few concessions just to shut him up. They made a few concessions, but it seems to be a sort of fundamental misunderstanding of how. The global economy works these days, and it's well, like they want to return it to some kind of protectionist system where yes, everybody does totally. their own thing. I mean, I don't. I mean, it is and it isn't a misunderstanding. If you look at it from a political point of view, he's saying, "Well, why should the global economy work that way?" Yeah, but he is looking to turn back the clock mm. um, and basically unglobalize to a sort the of economy. Saxon era. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Where you where you where you've just got kingdom of mercy. Where you've just got doing. sturdy yeomen sitting over anvils. <laughs> Uh, like something out of Asterix. Yeah. Um, well, quite Trump. I think I think the gene is out of the bottle on that one, son. But um, there, there you go. And incidentally, it should be noted while we're talking about Trump, he's had a really good week. He's got let off the impeachment. Yeah. Um, he's he's had the Democrats just having hissy fits all over the place. I can't see any way he's not around for another five, four no, years. No, I know it's yeah. Um, but anyway, that's another yeah. matter. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, what were you going to say, Wayne? No, I was I was going to say. I mean the. What, what, what you called earlier the balkanization yeah. of, of uh, the market that's not new I mean that happened in 2G 3G yeah. 4G all the time in and what way you mean different technologies different, different technologies different yeah. standards yeah. Yeah. like you had all those acronyms like WCDMA and yeah. yes exactly yeah. the difference is I mean in the past uh, up to 3G or the early 4G period uh, it was typically the Chinese who say no? We we want we want to mm. go on our own way, and we want to own the the um, intellectual property. Yeah. So we develop our own standards. And, and they they and went with um, they went with TD instead of FD. Was exactly. Thing, that, yeah. that was that was a three G, and yeah. then it was a complete that failure. Yeah. Then that was Betamax. So so that's yeah. why. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> Betamax was good. Okay, it was TD so, not good. <laughs> uh, so um, that, that's one reason why the Chinese was very active uh, in launching 4G because they want they, they wanted to get rid of the the legacy of, of 3G, so they could okay. finally come to converge with with the global standards, and yeah. and then 5G is almost there. We're, we're almost yeah, sort of one converged standard, yeah. into one one standard. Yeah. Then suddenly you so you, that we haven't got, even got LTE versus WiMAX this exactly. time, have we? No, exactly. exactly. That was a battle, I think, in yeah. 4G. No, that was, was 4G. WiMAX was Betamax. I mean, they even put Max on the end. There yeah. should have been alarms when when there was Max on the end. They should have gone, hold on, <laughs> this is history repeating itself. <laughs> That's right. Was it was it Sprint who who went yeah, for yeah, WiMAX? Yeah. Well, they yeah. bought. Um, Nextel. Oh, uh, yeah, mouth. Nextel. Right. Yeah. That's right. Make sure it doesn't go the wrong way. It's not There's another company called Clearwire, I think they bought, didn't That's they? That's it. Yeah, I remember that. Which is a yeah. WiMAX operator. Okay. And had loads yeah. of this. So most of Sprint Spectrum, I think, all this stuff it's got at 2.5 gigahertz yeah. is yeah. from that takeover. So, yeah. And that was yet another failed and Intel then they were gonna, they were telecoms. for years on about WiMAX being mm. their, the proper 4G standard and they were going to use this mm. all throughout the States. And yeah. Look what so, happened. Yeah, yeah. Man, so the difference is that this time is the Americans. Who started talking about going their own way? Right. So yeah, I mean that that that's something that's um, that's 
probably don't have a clearer sign of the tide is changing. And no, and, and I tell you another thing that that just saddens me when when politicians start trying to pick winners. So we've got all these U.S. companies. We've got the aforementioned IT companies, and then we've got massive network companies like Cisco and Juniper. All of those companies have, to some extent, over over the last couple of decades, had a look at taking on the big kit vendors. I'm sure. I mean, and you, you've got more experience with this than I. But I'm sure, you know, I mean, Cisco's had a sort of service provider bit. Mm-hmm. But you know they will have had boffins looking at the RAN side of it, seeing if there's something they can do that's competitive on the radio side of it, and they haven't, because they've presumably either tried and failed or done their exhaustive sort of market analysis and thought yeah. we, we just can't we just can't pull this off, and now these politicians are going. I tell you what. We'll chuck a few bucks at you, and then you, you sort it out. You raise your game. Do you know what it's else is interesting about that. this, though? That you know the operators are constantly c- complaining about um, consolidation in the equipment market, and the fact that there's only three big, powerful companies controlling kind of eighty yeah. percent of the market. But um, two of them, the Western ones, haven't been doing very well, have they? It's not as though you can look yeah. at their financials and say, well, they've really been they've been taking Kicking advantage out. of this this you know this three yeah. three player position in the market, and you know, they've got massive profit margins and they've been doing really really well and they've been ripping everybody off, which is what you might expect if there was a market that was you know this. they didn't have enough competition yeah. in there. That's mm. generally what happens. It's quite the opposite. They're, they're struggling. I mean, Ericsson was in 2016 looked like it could get broken yeah. up and sold off, and they've had to kind of rebuild and Nokia's, like, Nokia's still got issues at the moment. His most recent so, quarterlies were a bit meh, weren't they? Yeah. They weren't all that. So so I just wonder where this, you know, there's this kind of push to get more diversity into the market. But, you know, if you look at it from a kind of supply perspective and like, so if you were to ask Ericsson and Nokia about this, and maybe we should sort of ask their senior management about it, it, it you know, what they think of this discussion, I'm pretty sure they'd go, well, you know, look at our financial, look at our margins. Mm. We're, we're on margins of sort of four or five percent. What are the operators reporting? 30% or something, mm, yeah. operating margins. You so know, it looks like they're getting yeah, the better. But you know, who's, who's and yet it's the operators and the oper- that are constantly on the ponce for state cash as well to yeah. invest and in And I can understand the operator's argument that they want more choice, that they they want more sort of diversity because they don't want to be over-reliant on a company that might run into mm. problems down the down the road. But from a sort of financial perspective, this, this push to have lower costs and we're getting overcharged for equipment, mm. it doesn't really... It doesn't really yeah. add up if you look at I the agree. financials from those companies. I think it's a bit of a tenuous argument. I agree. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I just can't see that coming off. Not, not that you know. We, we've spoken about Oran before. I'm not going to. I'm not going to labour it. But yeah, obviously, ideally, you know, you look at the IT market. Everything's quite commoditized. You know, you can buy a server from a bunch of different people, and within that server, the components will be from all over the place. There's no vendor lock-in. There's no monopolies or oligopolies. It's a totally open market right down to the last little transistor, to the best of my knowledge. And there's no doubt that that would would be an ideal situation. But I think we also know enough about telecoms to know that it's a lot. You know, people can make – people can assemble a PC from the parts in their – front room yeah i don't think you could assemble a sort of 5g base station just from some graphics cards and antennas that you bought off the internet Not so yet. so it is mm. more complicated mm. yeah uh, so that's a natural sort of barrier to entry but as you say if in spite of that high barrier to entry and that relatively little competition the kit vendors aren't raking in the cash um i mean huawei might have been doing until 
fairly recently, I suppose. But, well, but we're never really sure what's going on with Huawei because it's quite an opaque organisation. But, but, but we also ways, do so. reckon that it won a lot of its business in the last, let's say, decade from Chinese really aggressively support. undercutting <laughs> yeah. the competition. Yeah, that how was, was it uh, able to do that? No, yeah. that was yeah, that was the argument that has been going on. Yeah. Um, I think it was two, one or two months ago. The Wall Street Journal ran a story about so how over the years billions uh, have been paid to Huawei from the Chinese government as subsidies, so yeah. they could compete, they could undercut yeah. their their European competitors. Um, then, w- will this sort of uh, new initiative to sort of subsidize or support Western companies to compete be a counteract? Although it's uh, this particular discussion is not, it's about the American sort of homegrown companies to mm. to, to compete and to to develop their own well products and 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 expertise rather than subsidizing the Ericssons and the Nokia's. Yeah. Uh, but there, there was that argument. So how how, yeah. how they managed to do that? No, totally, and, it, and it's completely valid. And, and actually, that does beg another interesting argument about the cu- current sort of geopolitical business state of play, which is if if you so Western countries have got quite a lot of rules about state subsidies. Mm-hmm. Okay, within the European uh, Union they have some rules about state subsidy. Although they got a bit of a nerve being all uptight about it because they're really protectionist towards anyone outside of the European yeah. Union. Mm-hmm. Um, but but generally it's it's considered the but under under the World Trade Organization, it's not cool for countries to invest large amounts of public money to make their private companies more competitive than other countries' private, which is fair enough. Because if they allowed that, then you get this arms race mm-hmm. of state subsidy. But when you got China, which I think does do that, I don't have proof, but it's generally accepted that China does do that. Well, but, Huawei denied that. Yeah, yeah. well, but whether it's with Huawei or whatever, mm. um, you know, you look at you look at all these various sort of geopolitical initiatives they have like Belt and Road it, it, it's hard to believe that the that the state doesn't get involved in commerce quite actively mm-hmm. and so but but we still want to do business with China we want their cash uh, we want them to buy our stuff we want them to we want to in, import deflation uh, from China because of their lower um, labor costs so we get so we get China to manufacture everything instead of making it in in our own countries because it's actually cheaper that way for us. So we want all that globalized stuff, but we're also having to coexist with a country that has different rules when it comes to state intervention in the private sector. And that's something that's going to be really difficult to resolve because China will say all the right things. They'll go, no, we're good. Yeah, we might have done that in the past, but we're good now. We're we're totally on board. But everyone's like, are you though? Mm. You know, they're, they're not that sure. And then at the same time, the flip side, and in some ways this is even more worrying, it's, it legitimizes bad practice in the West. So you've got yep. people like Donald Trump um, saying that I'm going to chuck money at this at this RAN initiative. Or you've got people like Boris Johnson sort of indicating that he might chuck money at the at broadband infrastructure, all that sort of thing. Yeah. So so we're getting we're tempted to get into this if you can't beat but them, join them. I agree with Way on that though. I think the the billion dollar there's a difference between pumping billions and billions into one company that yeah. is privately owned and, and, mm. and sort of giving it sort of an unfair position in the market, sort of subsidising it effectively yeah. and providing funds for de- research and development, or which has happened, which happens all the time. And I don't think mm. that's in... I, I mean, some you'd of have that's to have just a look in at, the labelling, isn't you'd it? You'd have I mean, to have a look at the WTO rules, but yeah. I think there's a big difference between 
state, you know, public sector contributions to research and development that could give rise to some software companies that eventually but go on to compete. But it could also be used as a cover. The, the, the Chinese could say, we're going to put a billion um, yuan, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. A billion yuan, or I don't even know if that's a lot of money. What's the exchange rate? Um, that's about two yeah, pounds. It's about seven, seven to eight. Let's say a zillion yuan, <laughs> to cover myself, um, into R&D. And, oh, look, it all ended up with Huawei. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm saying. Is that, uh, yeah, it's sometimes yeah. just a matter of labelling yep. and semantics. Mm. Um, and, and everyone plays it. Everyone tries to be cute. Everyone says they, they abide by WTO, but they're all mm. going to try and and favour their domestic champions. But it's not just, you know, there's a lot of hypocrisy here anyway because this whole dispute about dumping and, you know, WTO rules. Okay. It's not just the chart. I mean, there's this whole dispute that's been going on for years between Boeing and Airbus, isn't there, yeah. which is all about, you know, yeah. flouting WTO rules. Yeah, and, everyone takes and the subs- You know, there's, there's, often, there's often sort of arguments in Europe about subsidies for farmers and things like yeah. that. So it's oh, not... Yeah, it happens all the time. So, so China gets one. sort of identified as a big villain, but actually yeah. loads of people do. Well, this is so. where... I mean, I know I know. certainly from reading some of Ray's stuff, that, that really bothers him, this this, this excessive um, uh, stigmatising of the entire country yeah. as inherently untrustworthy. And, I, and I'm with him on that. I mean, <clears> that, you know, there's stuff where there's evidence. There's the, there's the IP theft in the past. There's... There's currency manipulation. There's there's bits and bobs. There's evidence, but we you know we've got to be we've got to be more disciplined and more uh, and morally correct yeah. and more intellectually honest mm. than to just go anything that comes from China must by definition be dodgy. Yeah. I mean that comes back to the the Huawei thing. We were chatting mm. about this before. Okay, so the US wants us to totally ban Huawei in our networks, but the chances are there's going to be stuff in our networks that's manufactured in China. Yep. It mm. might not have the logo. Of a Chinese company on it, but if if China is so incredibly untrustworthy, then why do we allow anything that's been manufactured in China, or why do we allow Lenovo servers yeah. in the cloud? Yeah. You know, there's so many things, so that they're inconsistent. Yeah. Anyway, I, I think uh, we better get to the last one as so we're we're coming running out of time. So a bit of a bit of a change. Um, Vodafone. So they've had their quarterlies this week. I think their quarterlies themselves. Which is a, a trading update, really. They don't don't provide profit numbers in their quarterlies. They Oh, right. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really made that distinction. Trading update. There I go, being great at my job again. Mm. (laughs) Um, Okay, a trading update. Um, Did you cover it? Yeah, I did. Why why don't you give us the top line of their trading update? I mean, well, I did cover it, but I went on a specific angle, which is unsurprisingly about Huawei, because that was one of the big announcements that that came out. One of the biggest stories came out. Yes, it was all in the wake of the UK decision on on how much to allow Huawei in the network. And. uh, that is a decision that didn't actually affect Vodafone very much. In fact, Nick Reed said it didn't sort of in the basically UK. It didn't affect them at all in the UK yeah. because they they use less than thirty five percent, which is the limit um, mm-hmm. Huawei equipment in their radio access network. So they're already good, and they don't they don't have it at all in the core network, <coughs> which is um, Ericsson, which is no. which is Cisco, I think, in Vodafone oh. UK. It's, it's a Cisco uh, yeah. core, yeah. Um, However, the European Union's also come out with some guidelines. It's t- I think it's called a toolbox. Yeah, I didn't write about this myself, I but did. they so and they've kind of given the member states a lot of discretion to decide what to do, and sort of made various sort of vague woolly recommendations yeah. like don't use high risk vendors in the core. And as a well, result, almost of that, uh, copied the UK almost, position. Yes, yeah, it yeah, is. It is. Yeah. They didn't come but, up with a thirty five percent thing, but they basically they went. No, with right. They basically so, went keep dodgy companies y- out of the core. Yes, yeah, yeah. so, and so Vodafone's response to that seems so Nick Reid on the call basically announced that they're 
um, they, a year ago they put any investment on Huawei products in the core on on pause. They stopped. Right. They stopped making. So I think it, I remember they, him announcing. Yeah, it was about. It's exactly this time it was last like, year. Until everyone sorted their And they've now out. decided that they're going to get rid of it all. So all that Huawei stuff in in European core networks, and there's obviously several businesses I think that, that have it. It's, it's going to be removed uh, at a cost of, I think, 200 million 200 euros. Million. So it's not yeah. massive amount. No. I mean, it's not like, I think BT was half a billion dollar, yeah. uh, pounds, yeah. wasn't it, to, to, to get rid of uh, radio access stuff and, yeah. and maybe some fibre stuff. But, um, but yeah, and then and then he sort of put out this um, plea on the call that um, the, re- the national regulatory authorities, which have this discretion to kind of decide what to do, beyond that, that they don't start imposing quotas like the UK did. It's obviously yeah. something he didn't approve of. And, he's, and he echoed that line that he came out with again this time last year, that if, if you do start doing that in the radio access network, it's going to be hundreds of millions potentially. It's going to yeah. slow down 5G rollout. It's going to be really disruptive. Two to five but, years, I think. Two said. to five years yeah. is what he said. Yeah. So that, that was a bit the of a, sort of bit of a range, there you go. The actual trading update itself was 0.8% organic growth or yeah. something. I mean... Some markets yeah, are getting back on really track. Care. It's. it's I tell you what, we do care about. We care what John Strand thought about it all, don't we? Well, he was very pleased, obviously, with the. Yeah. Um, I had a little chat with him. Right. Okay. Uh, well, when I, when I, I didn't talk to him. He, he emailed me a couple right, of things. Right. He emailed but, you. Um, but yeah, That's he, he just rings me up. Which is that he, he has. Well, he was he was ringing me the last week, and yeah. I was busy. I didn't answer him. Then I didn't call I him back. So he probably thinks I'm. To be fair, to be fair to him, and if you're listening, John, you know this this is all said in a friendly way. He doesn't mind. He doesn't take it personally. No. Pick up his call. Well, um, I like it's good for her to have analysts call. No, you, it's I great think, to chat so. to him, and, and I was chatting to him, and, and what he flagged up to me was um, the these aren't his precise words, by the way. This is what I sort of took from it. It felt like a bit of a fishing expedition on Vodafone's part. It was like because it was just it was like our position was the language, just like you say it's a trading update. Yep. They're saying our position. They're not saying in, in a account, in an accounting way this is what's going to cost us, and we're putting it in the books. Yep. They're saying our position is that this is the kind of money yep. that that we're talking about here, and it felt like a little bit of a fishing expedition to the European Union to go. Well, if you're going to put these rules down, then mm. hand over two hundred mil. Yeah, because yeah. why should we foot the bill for your arbitrary yeah. sort of things? And, and then the same goes for that second bit that you were just alluding to with the. Uh, with the quotas on the RAN, that again was their go- way of going, well, if you do, it's going to cost money. Yeah. So you better get your checkbook handy. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, you know, um, I, it happens quite a lot. You get telcos begging for cash off st- off the state quite a lot. Yeah. And I know one of the reasons is that um, they're heavily regulated. Uh, another reason is that they are part of increasingly critical national infrastructure, so that so their strategic mm. national interest in their being involved. But nonetheless, it just seems unseemly how, more often than not, someone like BT talking about fibre uh, or or Vodafone talking about this stuff, they'll just they'll just be coming. Ca- is, are cap there in signs hand. that BT are doing that in the UK that they're trying to get somebody to cover those costs? Because they're quite substantial. Well, I tell you another thing that John, yeah. billion, another yeah. point that John made, which is relevant, is that BT had also to some extent gone but that half a bill is kind of priced in because we had to upgrade a bunch of old anyway right so yeah, that that was Strand's early argument um, a couple and, of months yeah. ago when he wrote that it, it, would, it wouldn't cost the operators so much to, they got to, to replace anyway. Huawei yeah, well, he's still that, running yeah, with that one I can up, see what he means anyway. by that but I, I don't go along with it completely I, mean, I think one of the thing, points he's making is this argument that you have to replace 4G equipment um, yeah. because yeah, you have to ensure earlier. compatibility yeah, yeah. He, he's mm-hmm. often said that a lot of that 4G equipment has to be replaced anyway so yeah, a, good, a good example is 3 I think which is moving away from Samsung 
in the 4G side, and it, it will probably have to replace that anyway because apparently it's quite old. It's mm. it's due for upgrade. But I think in the I'm not sure whether that applies in the case of BT because okay. you know that I, it really depends on the 4G stuff that they put in that is Huawei kit mm. that they're now going to have to take out. You know, I mean that's it's, it's obviously 5, 5G sort of ready or whatever a lot of it, and mm. um, they're building the 5G network on top of that. So. I don't. I, I don't know if that five hundred mil is something they would have had to okay. spend if, if, they, well, if I, this band didn't come along. Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, it, John's one of those analysts that's got a fairly healthy scepticism about most things, which is which is all yeah. good. That's what we do as journalists as well. And you know, and he just he just thinks, oh, what's going on here? Are they are they are they making making this out to be a bigger, like one off cost yeah. than it actually is? Which which is which is a sort of fair critique, but I'm I'm not qualified to come down hard one way or the other. But I guess we'll see over the next few quarters because if they've if they've put the upfront figure out there now, then it's going to have some kind of impact either in terms of And they said that's over five years. It's over five years. So it's not that much. Well, over it? five years is not, yeah. But it, but it's 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 something they'd rather not be doing, I'm guessing. Of course. And I guess the question is how Still disruptive 40 is it a year to the 5G rollout? Maybe that's the, the bigger question. You know, is it, is it going to be... Um, a slower deployment, you know, with with worse five G coverage than we would have had, much worse, yeah. you know, because the UK's you know, the operators have been making a big thing about how the UK is actually at the forefront of five G, and they've, it's a good, they've got a good case for it, you know, all pretty much all of them have now got yeah, some kind of five G service, yeah. and mm. uh, that's not the case in a lot of European markets where there are all these mm. concerns about EMF and Spectrum might not have been awarded or whatever. Mm. So, is this suddenly going to put the, the UK kind of down the league tables? You know, into the kind of 5G relegation zone when it was, you know, pushing for you know, kind of being up there with the US yeah. and China. No, but those, those are all good questions. One other area in which Vodafone's on the ponce with some justifications in India. Yeah. Um, and so he he touched on that in the call, and Jamie wrote a follow-up piece about it today as well. Just he keeps threatening to just pull the plug. Yeah. Mm. Um, if it's not a direct threat, certainly strongly inferring. So that you know, so they obviously all owe uh, the Indian state about. I'm going to go with zillion again because you know where you stand with it. About a zillion rupees. Yeah. Um, and they, and he's basically going, look, I've had a look at our assets. I've had a look at our turnover. It's if, not if, worth if, it. If you, it's just not <laughs> worth it. It's just, the, the sums aren't adding up, Modi. Well, you, you know. So what's going on here? And 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 the the Indian states put itself in an awkward situation because it can't just forego the debt because it mm. considers it legitimate debt from historical license fees and spectrum fees and all yeah. that sort of thing but then again it's in danger and and the the current runaway market leader which is um which is geo, geo. reliance mm. geo uh owes much less because they haven't been around that long because this stuff goes back about a decade or something yeah and and basically they're in a position of almost just creating a monopoly uh you know i don't think barty airtel has has threatened to just shut up shop in the way that Vodafone has. But, you know, there's an interesting thing. And, and basically, he's saying, look, help us out. So you go and find a way politically, um, whether it's in the form of a rebate or whether it's in the form of dragging this out indefinitely yeah. or, or whatever. Yeah, the, the Chinese state, the, sorry, the Indian state has still got enough money to keep bailing out those acronym ones, those um, MSNBC. MSNL and BTNL. Yeah, yeah. BSNL and MTNL. <laughs> It could keep bailing them out, yeah. so it's got it's got some cash for telecoms largesse when, when it wants to find it. Anyway, so, so that's up one there, and I want to. I think we're running out of time. I want to wrap up with um, with you, Wei. 
um, a slight, you know, slightly Vodafone relevant. But you, yeah. you, you wrote a piece about them in, in, in Belgium, was no, it? No, the Netherlands. Netherlands. Yeah, it's quite interesting. It just came out of the blue because um, uh, there were plenty of operators who said they would shut down their 3G networks in in this decade, in the 20s. But um, Vodafone just came out and say, well, from the 4th of February, we are taking 3G out of the air in the Netherlands. Yeah. So it's it's their JV with Liberty. So it's called Vodafone Zico, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it's it, the interesting part is um, th- uh, 3G is, is al- almost a transitional generation because you have the 2G, um, which will stay here for a long time because it's powering such large volumes of IoT devices yeah. out there because low power consumption. And for roaming as well. From, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... Um, well, 3G is almost getting less and less relevant. As um, mm, yeah. when, when 2G, when I think it was Telstra who was shutting down 2G uh, two or three years ago in Australia, it became a rather sentimental occasion when people people started sort of missing it. But not not too yeah, many I mean, have tears you will on be shared with 3G, I believe. Yeah. Like if you're on the train or something, have you noticed on your phone that when you lose 4G, like in the past, it would quite often just go down to H and H+, plus, yeah. Yeah. which is obviously 3G. Yeah. Um, 2.75, I think that's what they call it. 3.75. No, 2.75, Edge. Oh, you're the, yeah, yeah, well, Edge, yeah. I was going yeah. to go on to that. But but what will typically happen is the cascade of sort of downgrade. It will say 4G, mm-hmm. then it will say H or H+, plus, yeah. and then it will say E yeah. for Edge. Yeah. Um, and, but increasingly, I find I've either got 4G or nothing. Yeah. So maybe yeah. maybe there's a bit of turning off going on on the sly as well. Don't know. Don't well, they know. have to they have to tell you if they're really switching it off. But right. the point is, if you want to use mobile internet as as we do now, we get we're getting used to it. Um, you can't do that on three G. Yeah. The the yeah. data is just so low. No, even even yeah. HSPA plus. Well, it was never no, a very exactly. good technology when it turned off. No. And then now it's now it's proving and even more was, useless. It was so. vastly oversold yeah. to really everyone. Was. So um, yeah. The odd uh, numbers don't do very well. The even numbers do. Yeah, two exactly. G and four G have been a massive success. One G and three G, so, so five G well, is ominous. I think it's it's going to be a huge disappointment. This five G. Yeah. Look at the way things are going already. Yeah, that's certainly one thing I'm going to look to write about at my old Congress. Is is it any good now that we've actually got it? Yeah. But yeah, then we've we, been deeply. We, we said that last 5G. year, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, um, that's that. So. so so yeah. So they just so they just switched off, and I guess that yeah. is a bit of a bit of an end of an era yeah I think is it the first one that we're aware of um, where they've officially announced uh, I believe it's the first one at least in Europe they've come out with the targets though I can't remember what they are but they've said that I think pretty much across Europe there I don't know what the date is but I remember being 2024 or something I think it's sooner than that in the UK I think they're talking about shutting off really soon here and BT as well has come out with a date for when it's shutting Mm. off its 3G network and it's quite soon it's not it's not this year I don't think but it's it's not beyond the mid 2020s certainly so there uh, is um, so Vodafone released a sort of warning to users if if you hold on to your phone for more than I think what seven years right then that was before 4g was switched on so right. you would already be still on 3g I yeah, and then I phone anybody just has a 3g only phone you know I, mean? I mean some people didn't even get mobile phones until 4g came along anyway i think they, it's so. either you you hold on to the very old feature phone so you yeah. only use it for phone calls then you can still use it on 2g yeah or you have a smartphone that will yeah, work exactly. on 4g yeah. so yeah so actually there is one more vodafone angle that we can cover before we um wrap it up which is that the reason to turn off 3G 
is in part to refarm Spectrum. Spectrum. Yeah, yeah. But Vodafone's also been mucking about with this technology called dynamic spectrum sharing, um, which means that you can share spectrum dynamically, I concluded. Um, this is why I get the big bucks, Ian. Uh, and uh, joking aside, it, it basically it allows you to uh, have 4G and 5G yeah. um, signals over the same spectrum at the same time. That's the dynamic bit. Um, which which is pretty handy because it means that you don't have to have this switch off one thing and switch on the other thing. You can have both things happening sort of concurrently for a little while. And they and they did a blog. I think it was the end of last week, but I only became aware of it this week. Mm-hmm. They did a blog where they where they'd done some demo, which they reckon was the first time they'd done it. Um, it was with Ericsson and Huawei. Yeah, in um, Dusseldorf, I think. And yeah. and then Qualcomm almost inevitably on mm-hmm. the modem side. Um, and yeah, I guess that's sort of a big deal. Does do you from a because I. I think Ray again covered it. Yeah. Do, do we think it's a big deal, this dynamic spectrum sharing? Well, yeah, the vendors say it's a big deal. Um, and it's also been talked about in the context of swaps as well, that it makes it easier to... Mm. So this it came up for me originally, actually, when this whole issue of having to replace your 4G base stations with kit from a, a different vendor if you have to, right. if you're forced to, to change Huawei, because... Ericsson and Nokia were both, I think, might have got it wrong, but I think they were both talking about dynamic spectrum sharing as a way of overcoming that problem that you right. could sort of run, you know, you could have a single radio that sort of runs these two things at the same time, and um, it's a way to, to kind of get around that issue. So, But I guess, I guess it's just a move towards having more sort of efficient networks, ultimately, isn't yeah. it, for the operators, yeah. which is what they want. They want to, you know, keep their costs down and... Uh, have that flexibility to kind of move spectrum backwards and forwards as and when they need it. And yeah, um, I mean, it, to me, it's, it's just like no brainer if you can do it. Yeah, and it doesn't and it doesn't degrade the signal of either. Yeah, one, and they're, they're all complaining all the time about spectrum constraints. You know, it's they can't refarm the three G spectrum until they've completely shut that down. Yeah. Obviously, mm-hmm. so you know, the spectrum's a finite resource. So any way that you have of being able to use that in a in a kind of more oh. efficient way, as we saw with, with e in the UK when they gave when they let them refarm. Ahead of anyone else, they're eighteen hundred. Yeah. It gave them a massive yeah. head start on four G, didn't it? Yeah, but this, this, you know, with the emergence of all these sort of high speed video services and God knows what's around the corner, something to do with virtual reality that will put even more pressure on networks. Then all this utopian five like, G stuff. Yeah, then things like dynamic robotic surgery. More, That's more why important. we need it. Mm. Uh, yeah. Did Verizon yeah, have an advert showing I, that? I don't know how the regulators <laughs> will no, see fi- it. That's firemen. Yeah, no, sorry. I was saying uh, I don't know how the regulators will see it because um, nowadays all the, the the operators keep knocking on their doors and well, we want more spectrum, we want more spectrum. Yeah. And suddenly you can actually yeah, they'll say, well, what about dynamic yeah, spectrum dynamically sharing? Yeah. sharing yeah. And then why do you need yeah. more spectrum? Yeah, yeah a bit of yeah. DSS, son. Yeah, that's all you need. <laughs> that's right. DSS, that's right. DSS, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, cool. All right, I think we've done about an hour. Uh, so thanks a lot, guys. Um, I think we got one more before we have to go to my World Congress. Is that right? Two more. Two more, is it? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, it seems so imminent. desperate to get there. Well, it's because I've been. I'm at that stage where, I'm, where, that I've got, where I've got where I got PRs getting in touch with me to fill up my diary, so it yeah. feels incredibly imminent. So anyway, all right. So we don't need to sweat that one. So uh, okay. So thanks a lot for listening, and make sure you join us for the next one. Bye.